Well, good morning. I hope you're all well. Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 5 verse 8 as we conclude our Beatitude series. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And if you recall, I started this series off six weeks ago with blessed are the poor. You know, remember that six weeks ago when we used to go to the house to work, when we could shake hands with people, uh, when few of us considered toilet rolls to be an essential item maybe? So much has changed in the space of six weeks, hasn't it? I don't even recall if we were talking about COVID-19 back then on the 1st of March. I remember the week after people started to say, oh, is it okay to shake hands or not? And then the week after that, it was actually the last time we met at Grace Academy. So much has changed, hasn't it, in that time? But yet today, we're going to look at the words of Jesus from 2,000 years ago. Words that are as relevant to us now as they were when they came out of his mouth back then. Aren't you so thankful that you serve an unchanging God? I also thought, as I prepared this, that the Beatitudes get more challenging, don't they? We start with blessed are the poor. It's quite nice and warm that I'm sure none of us want to be poor, but there's that comfort in knowing that despite having little, we are blessed and there's the promise of the kingdom of heaven. We're comforted if we mourn. If you're meek, overly submissive, feeling overlooked, you'll inherit the earth. You're hungry, you'll be filled. And then to me, things start to change when we get to blessed are the merciful, as that's something done towards others rather than how we are as an individual. And then we come to blessed are the pure in heart. And that's not related to circumstance or uh, that we find ourselves in or what we do to others. The pure in heart, you know, that's getting into the core of who we are. And maybe as you're watching this this morning on Facebook, you could click a thumbs up if you're feeling pure in heart. Then come on, let's see who the holy lot out there are. In the video that goes with this chapter, and we're trying to find if there's some way in which we can show them, because they're just so brilliant. Uh, and if we can't, then when we do get back together and we're able to meet again, we'll show the videos then somehow. But in the video that goes with this beatitude, Stu G says, the idea of a pure heart, it can seem un unobtainable. Because we're human, aren't we? As hard as we may strive to be pure, we have that thought. We do something that we shouldn't. You know, I look at myself and I think, I'm not pure. So the challenge is that maybe this, this verse isn't about how well we can follow a set of rules or laws. The message version says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. So maybe this verse is about recognising who we really are, including what we consider to be our flaws, our limitations, our hurts, maybe parts of us we're ashamed of, and seeing who we were created to be by our Heavenly Father. And embracing that rather than trying to be something that we're not. Now, even if you've got this sorted now, I'm sure at some stage all of us have probably put on a false self of how we want to be perceived by others. The self which we show the world through our interactions or these days through how we show ourselves on social media. That person that we try to portray to others. Don't look past the exterior to my true self. I don't want you to see that part. I don't want you to see the real me that's struggling to keep it together, who keeps making poor decisions. Because if we have a false self, there's this, there must be that sense of shame within us. That feeling that we're missing the mark somehow. There's got to be a division in our hearts as to who we are and who we want to be. There's something in there that shouldn't be. Something that's not pure. 
Think back to last week though. Because God's mercy deals with all the things that we want to hide. So while the Beatitudes get more challenging, throughout we can see that God is with us, taking us to the next level. So you know what? We can embrace the things that we want to hide. We bring them out into the light and we start to unite that heart that's within us. Giving them over to God, creating that pure, undivided heart. A heart that sees God. You know, if this is sounding familiar this morning to us at Junction 10, let me read you a, par- a paragraph from The Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scacera. It says, One of our greatest obstacles in knowing God is our own lack of self-knowledge. So we end up wearing a mask before God, ourselves and other people. To be pure in heart, you need to be honest about who you really are. Let me read you something else. This is from a book called The Cry of the Soul. Ignoring our emotions is turning our back on reality. Listening to our emotions ushers us into reality. And reality is where we meet God. Emotions are the language of the soul. They are the cry that gives the heart a voice. However, we often turn a deaf ear. Through emotional denial, distortion or disengagement. We strain out anything disturbing in order to gain tenuous control of our inner world. We are frightened and ashamed of what leaks into our consciousness. In neglecting our intense emotions, we are false to ourselves and lose a wonderful opportunity to know God. We forget that change comes through brutal honesty and vulnerability before God. So having heard that, let's read today's verse again from the message version. You're blessed. You're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. You know we can be tempted to put on a full self for a number of reasons, but I want to look quickly this morning at three things, and they are performance, possessions and popularity. Alliteration, you cry, proper preaching, hooray. But let's have a look at them this morning. And I'm going to use the time that Jesus was tempted by the devil in the wilderness that we can see in Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13, to illustrate these points. And remember, the story of Jesus in the wilderness, that happened just after Jesus had been baptised, when God the Father announced, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. You see, at this point, Jesus hadn't performed any miracles, but he receives this affirmation from his father and his inner world is lined up with the outside world. And to people who may have been watching Jesus, people who've been watching Jesus though, he hadn't apparently achieved much during his 30 years on earth. He hadn't yet begun his ministry and they may have started to ask, you know, who is this guy that's going around? And then he finds himself hungry And the devil challenges him to tell these stones to become bread. In other words, do something to prove yourself. It's a challenge we face, isn't it? What have you achieved? How have you proved yourself useful? What have your successes been? It's one way through which we judge as individuals, isn't it? Or perhaps even how we judge ourselves. We don't feel like we've made the grade, so we try harder to please others. And we drift away from who we really are or we feel actually that we don't measure up and we slide into depression we feel ashamed 
Alternatively, we could take the stance that, okay, I may not have achieved what I wanted to or what I feel I should, but that's not my fault. It's all the others. And we start to blame other people for how we're feeling. But we don't do it to their face because we don't want them to see that side of us. We put on a false self. The thing is that Jesus knew he had nothing to prove by doing as the devil said. Earthly success adds nothing to our worth and value in God's eyes. So let's move on to possessions. The devil next tested Jesus by taking him to see all the kingdoms of the world and said, all of this, everything you can see, it can all be yours. Because what earthly possessions did Jesus have at that time? Again, the devil was trying to play on the source of Jesus' security because he'd given up everything to be born here on earth, hadn't he? And just as we're measured by performance, another measure of our success is our possessions. Billions are spent by marketeers. Billions are spent telling us what stuff we should have. You should have this phone, you should have this TV, you need this car, these gadgets, you need this house. Even children have got to have the right toy, haven't they? And if you don't have the gear, if you don't have the right gear, who even are you? You've got to be earning enough. You've got to be wearing the right clothes. Like, like me, of course. But at what cost? People can appear to have all the right stuff to fit in. Yet, to do so, they're struggling with it. They're feeling trapped. They're living with regret. They're giving all the right sounds outwardly. But inwardly, things are all wrong. Or actually, we can start to get bitter because we don't have... We can have a sense of entitlement sometimes, can't we? And we could even be bitter towards God. Why haven't I got the stuff that I want, God? They've got stuff and I don't think it's fair. God, why aren't you blessing me the way that I feel I should be blessed? And how do we truly see God if that's what's going on in our hearts? Thirdly, popularity. The devil invited Jesus to throw himself off the highest point of the temple so that he could call the angels to catch him, proving himself to others. Because who was Jesus at this stage to most people? What was his worth and value? You know, most people are bothered by what other people think of them. Yeah, you agree? And some people may be even addicted to what others think. You know, we live in the world, don't we, on social media? even more so these days, where it's how many likes has that social media post reached? How many retweets have I got? How many people are following me? Our self-image soars with compliments, and it's devastated by criticism. And the risk is that we decide that our true self isn't good enough to portray, to be loved, and so we project our false self, or a false self, because, you know what, we think that's going to be more popular. And then we're back again, aren't we? to where the inner world is a mess and it's not sorted. And if the inner world's a mess, how can the outside world be okay? True freedom comes when we realise that we are sons and daughters of the living God and he is well pleased with us, just as we are. If we don't get past the desire to be popular, we remain trapped in living a pretend life out of a healthy concern for what others think of us. Now please hear this this morning, or whenever you're listening to this on the, uh, on the video, here, 
that there's nothing we can do to make God love us anymore. And we can also thank God that there's nothing we can do to make him love us any less. You know, this coronavirus situation is creating some real opportunities for the church. You know, in the last two weeks, we've had more people engaged with our online services to some extent or another than we would have had the number of people if we'd have carried on meeting at Grace Academy every Sunday based on our usual numbers. And we've got folks working really hard to make this the best that we can on a Sunday morning. But some churches have given, church leaders have given gentle reminders to the wider church that this isn't a competition to see who's got the best service, to be the most popular. You know what, and, and we're keen at Junction 10 to ensure that these online services show and reflect who we really are at Junction 10, that we don't portray a false self through them. I mean, look at this. Is this a face made for video? This is a face made, face made for podcast, isn't it? God has shaped and crafted us internally with unique personalities, with thoughts, dreams, temperament, feelings, talents, gifts and desires. He's planted true seeds of self inside us. This is from Peter Scacera. They make up the authentic us. And we're also deeply loved. We are a treasure. You know what? Jesus knew that. Jesus knew that of his life. And he lived it. He was secure in the Father's love. He was secure in himself. And because of that, he was able to live life to the full. Have you ever thought that actually Jesus disappointed a lot of people because he didn't live up to their expectations? He wasn't the Messiah that they were expecting. But Jesus knew that wasn't the Messiah that they needed. And if we look quickly at the next beatitude, Blessed are the peacemakers. For a peacemaker, Jesus seemed to stir up a lot of trouble, didn't he? He was more like a holy troublemaker. He had people trying to throw him off a cliff. They tried to discredit him. And ultimately, they killed him. But maybe the issue here is that we confuse peacemakers with peacekeepers. You know, as I was reading the book, The Words from the Hill, and I hope you have read it, and if you haven't, do get a copy. But as I was reading that, this jumped off the page to me. So often, and particularly as Christians, we don't want to rock the boat, do we? We don't challenge behaviours because we want to keep the peace. But that's not the same as making peace, is it? Because if you don't speak out when you know that you should, at the very least, you're not at peace with yourself. Jesus wasn't afraid to challenge the people who were living outside of God's will. And he, didn't, he wasn't afraid to challenge them because he was superior in some way or he wanted to tell them off. He challenged them because he knew that they would never find peace in living outside of God's will. And he wouldn't be keeping any peace by saying nothing because there wasn't really any peace to keep. Now we need to be wise with this. And we need to show mercy and to be operating from a pure heart if we are to speak into situations like that. If we have to challenge people sometimes. And there's a warning that comes with it, isn't there? Because in the Beatitudes, who are the last group to be blessed? Blessed are the persecuted because of their righteousness. So, as I kind of bring this together this morning, in conclusion, let's just quickly recap the six weeks. Because it seems to me like the words have such significance to us now, even more so in this current situation than when we started. 
we started in when we blessed other poor. And as well as a health crisis at the moment, we're in an economic crisis. People's financial security is being challenged. Planned futures are looking ever more uncertain. And going through that doesn't feel like a blessing. But as we realise that all things, sorry, as we realise that all the things that we place a value on on this earth are temporary, they start to have less significance. And, they, and we can start to make more room for God. Blessed are those who mourn. And I would tragically, many people are mourning at this moment. Mourning the loss of loved ones. But mourning the loss of cancelled weddings. Mourning the loss of routine even. And we're not blessed because of the loss. We're blessed because at that moment, God is with us. Blessed are the meek. We've had to be a bit more content maybe with what we had. We can't just go out and, and buy stuff. We've had to be content with who we are. And we've had to recognise our limitations in this situation. Blessed are the hungry. We've seen about all the food shortages. And thank you if you're still giving to food banks. But blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the merciful for those who care. And it also strikes me. That in the Beatitudes, Jesus was described in the journey that we take if we decide to follow him. Because without Jesus, we have nothing. We're poor. But then we hear about him. We hear that he's all that we could ever need. And when we hear that and take it on board, we realise that we are blessed. We're then following Jesus. And following Jesus may mean that we have to leave the old ways of life behind us. Things which we mourn for, but we maybe find comfort in. And Jesus says, put them down and find your comfort in me. We then look at the meek. When we submit our lives to him, we give up what we have maybe. We inherit the earth. And as we follow Jesus, our hunger grows. And he promises that he will satisfy us. And the hungrier that we are, the more we follow him, the hungrier we get, the more he satisfies. And we're called to be like Jesus, aren't we? And just as he has shown us mercy, we too are to show mercy to others. And as we become like him, our hearts become pure. We see more of him. We want others to know the peace, the joy, the hope that we have through them. And then we start sharing the good news. But in doing so, we may be faced persecution. But throughout it, from the start, from before we know Jesus, to maybe facing persecution for declaring his goodness, we know that we're blessed. We're blessed more than we can ask and imagine. And our reward from start to finish is the kingdom of heaven. You know, to quote a line from the song that goes along with this chapter. Undivided. No more fake personas. No more false perceptions. All you ever wanted was me. So we come to the end of our Beatitude series. And I want to say this morning, if you're watching this and you're thinking, I want to know a bit more about this, then again you can click a thumbs up on there. But why don't you email us at the church and we'll get in contact with you. Email thechurch at junction10.com and we'll get in touch and we'll answer questions that you may have and help you understand a bit more about this. We're going to go into our final song now. We're going to go into In the Secret Place.
Thank you for listening.